welcome along to the Brave for Business, Brave for Life podcast with me, Lawrence Nell, where we take the lessons from evidence-based academic research, most particularly involving the brain and behavioral sciences, and translate them in a way that is accessible for leaders and organizations. It is a distinct pleasure to welcome to this episode of Brain for Business, Brain for Life, Professor Jack Consalo. Jack Consalo is Professor of Business Administration and the Robert and Helen P. Cease Faculty Fellow at the Geese College of Business at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. Prior to joining the University of Illinois, he was Professor of Organizational Behavior at the Cornell University ILR School, where he was the Proskauer Professor. Professor Consalo's research is focused on individual and team creativity, the evaluation of new ideas, and more recently, the dark side of engaging in creative work. His research, spanning the fields of management and psychology, has been published in leading academic journals and been featured in numerous media outlets such as CNN, Time Magazine, The New York Times, and Forbes Magazine. Jack, it is great to speak to you. Thank you for having me. So, in a 2015 article, you and some colleagues explored the impact of political correctness on creativity in workgroups. Perhaps you might start by explaining what exactly is political correctness? Yeah, that's the uh, that's the most important and probably most complicated question um, to start with. But um, you know, I think people, because we use it in everyday language um, so much that I think people have an intuitive sense of what it is. And um, really, it describes an expectation that people share um, that we should censor or limit our use of certain kinds of words that are offensive to uh, various identity groups and replace them with words that are less offensive. So, um, you know, one of the earliest uses of this term um, happened when um, women were entering the workforce in large numbers, particularly in fields that were previously dominated by uh, men. And so you had, um, uh, you know, uh, people, women becoming firefighters and it didn't make sense to call them firemen. Um, and so we replaced that term with firefighter. Um, you know, we, women can become department chairs. They're not chairmen, they're chairs um, and so forth. And so um, we, and I can think of other, um, there are other more offensive words that, that, um, that fall into that category, but that's the basic idea. What have people typically assumed would be the impact of political correctness in that sense on group dynamics, both more broadly, but also, I guess, in terms of creativity? Well, I think that, um, you know, one of the, the reasons that this paper was somewhat controversial when it, it came out a few years ago is that people have really sharply contrasting expectations for what this, uh, what being politically correct should do to group dynamics. Um, on the one hand, um, there are people who believe that it is overly restrictive. It's a threat to our First Amendment right to freedom of speech in the United States, um, that people should feel free to use the words that they want to use, um, and that um, it can be carried away and become overly restrictive so that no one can really speak their mind anymore. And so from that perspective, there should be a clear prediction that um, it should be stifling of creativity, that this movement toward political correctness um, should sort of muzzle people, right, and, and prevent them from uh, expressing their uh, point of view. Um, on the other hand, there are people who also note that the workforce is becoming more and more diverse with respect to so many different categories of people 
that we have to be careful about the words that we use because if you offend the people you work with, they're not going to feel comfortable sharing their creative ideas or, or their unique perspectives. And so from that perspective, then in the context of diversity, um, we should expect the uh, political correctness to actually um, make people more comfortable sharing their unique point of view. And so, um, you know, at the heart of that, there was kind of a almost intractable debate between these two sides that have very, very different um, sort of theories about what PC should do uh, in the context of a group. Because I guess if you think about it, inherent in that is that perspective that if I am being politically correct, I might be withholding certain perspectives from my side. However, the person I'm talking to, say from a different diversity category of whatever type, might perhaps feel more comfortable. And so you have this tension between the two. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. So the, from the perspective that it's stifling, potentially. Um, and, and I think there's a worry that um, that become, being politically correct can have kind of a, a spillover effect. And it's not just that I'm censoring offensive words, I'm sort of generally censoring everything. And so, um, so the concern is that it'll have an unintended um, negative effect on, on people's ability to just speak their mind. And how did you and your colleagues then go about testing this when it came to actually exploring the real impact of political correctness on creativity? Yeah, it's interesting. So, what, so our view was that, look, there are, there, there are two competing hypotheses in the world about the impact of political correctness. And as a social scientist, I sort of viewed that as an opportunity to test them, right? Um, and we have methods for doing that. And so what we did was we, um, we invited um, participants to a laboratory experiment in which we randomly assigned um, people to join groups that were then instructed to be politically correct or asked to be uh, some other neutral, um, some, some other neutral expectation like be polite or asked just to recall uh, what they did yesterday. Um, and then um, once they were told um, very specifically, look, you're about to enter into a situation in which people might become offensive. So our advice to you is to be politically correct when you interact with the rest of your group. Um, and so we made sure they understood that. And then on the next task, we asked them to um, participate in a brainstorming exercise in which we asked them to contemplate a scenario in which a business had recently um, closed and there was now an empty space on campus. And we're, the administration is trying to decide what to do with that empty space. And they should imagine as many alternative uses for that space as they possibly can. Um, and then we, we looked at the ideas that they came up with. What then were the findings when you got to participants who I'm guessing were, were college students to participate in the, these experiments? So what we found was an interaction between the composition of the group on the one hand and um, their response to the instructions to be politically correct. And so what we found was that um, for groups that were gender diverse, so mixed sex groups that included both uh, men and women, um, th they were actually more creative in the ideas that they came up with when they were told to be politically correct. Um, and what we found was that we had, there was no impact among groups that were homogeneous. So if they were all male or all female, telling them to be politically correct did nothing. Um, and so what we found was uh, evidence that was more consistent with the hypothesis that being PC would be helpful 
in the context of diverse groups, um, but we didn't find any evidence that it was, uh, was in fact stifling. And you mentioned there uh, men and women, male and female. Did your research at all consider other forms of diversity or was it just for now anyway, limited to, to those two key aspects? Yeah, so for now it was um, limited to gender. Um, we did take other demographic measures like race um, and ethnicity and we looked to see if controlling for that did anything, um, but we didn't find uh, that it, it played a role, um, which might not be too surprising because, um, you know, a person's sex is often the first demographic category that we notice and that we process. Um, and so I, I think we should do additional research to look um, more carefully at these other categories. But for now, we, what we know is restricted to gender. If we take that then, what are the implications of this, I guess, what could be called counterintuitive finding? for groups and teams focused on creativity? Well, you know, I think um, it, it speaks to the challenges of, of getting a diverse group um, to be creative. And there are so many barriers to that. Um, and, you know, all of the research has shown that um, diverse groups have the potential to be creative because there's variation in perspectives that would allow for, uh, for groups to, to see the world differently. Um, but there are also significant barriers because the group is diverse. Um, in particular, it raises this level of uncertainty. Um, and so uh, men worry that they're going to say something offensive and women worry that they're going to be stereotyped. And, and that could lead to a sort of a, a stifling effect. And so um, I think the fact that we found any effect of being politically correct indicates that we have a, lot, a long way to go in terms of um, making diverse groups feel comfortable um, interacting with each other. But um, but I think the, the practical implication is that for now, telling people to be politically correct seems to be a useful uh, tool to help people uh, be more comfortable sharing their ideas. Would you also then see that as a, a key implication for you know, management and, and, and leadership in an organization that actually promoting political correctness or politically correct perspectives or or approaches is ultimately beneficial for those creativity and innovation practices yeah and we so we know that you know organizations are now spending billions of dollars on sensitivity training and retreats and you know trying to help people uh, understand how to communicate in a increasingly diverse environment and so i think the results speak to critics of that who say that oh this is overblown this is um, this is stifling. This is something that is overly controlling and, uh, you know, a threat to freedom of speech. Um, in a diverse setting, it's actually the opposite. Um, what we found um, really suggests that you have to, as leaders or managers, intervene in diverse groups to make sure that people um, are certain about how to behave. Um, and so, you know, leaving people in a state of ambiguity isn't helpful for being creative. Because I guess if I have that clarity that comes from a framework, perhaps say political correctness, then that at least gives me uh, some constraints within which to work. And, and I guess there's a lot of work uh, which is being done around constraints and creativity. But that ambiguity you reference might actually make it harder and then almost lead to say, uh, I don't want to say anything because I'm too afraid. 
Right. Yeah. So we actually um, videotaped the groups interacting um, and while they were doing the creative task. Um, and we were actually able to code um, based on their behavior, the level of uncertainty in the group. And um, we did that by counting, you know, uh, verbal markers of uncertainty, like hedges and, you know, I don't know, but maybe uh, kinds of phrases. And we found that when diverse groups were told to be PC, there was significantly less um, uncertainty in the way they interacted with each other. And so, um, you know, maybe political correctness isn't the only way to achieve that, um, but it does suggest that giving people a roadmap for how to navigate in a diverse environment makes people feel more comfortable sharing their task related ideas um, because they don't have all of this, um, you know, the, the, the social uncertainty that, that goes along with being in a diverse group. If we take that then and, and perhaps step forward, if I can use the term forward from say creativity in itself into innovation. And I, I guess I'm thinking here about innovation as you know, the, the actual application or, or doing something with those creative ideas in, in kind of uh, sim simplistic terms. Is there also, do you think, a, a positive benefit for PC and political correctness in that innovation context as opposed to, to the, the more purely creative? Yeah, I mean, well, I would think, you know, innovation requires implementation and agreement and commitment. Um, I would think that it wouldn't necessarily interfere with that process. I mean, I think the more counterintuitive finding, as you had said, is that people think of creativity as something that requires freedom from all constraint, right? That I should be able to say whatever I think and, um, and even test the boundaries, be controversial. Um, and yet we're finding that even in this creative process, there's some room for um, people needing norms. Um, People have to have some sort of set expectation. Um, otherwise, it leads to this sort of sense that I, I don't know what's happening here, so I better keep my mouth shut. <laughs> I think that's the, um, but it would be interesting to look at, you know, I'm also interested in, in the quality of group decision-making um, and whether or not being PC would improve, some, you know, improve performance in that, in that context. And you mentioned there group decision-making. Is there potentially a link through to something like the in-group, out-group um, dynamics or mechanisms at play? Or, or am I perhaps going too far off on a tangent with that? No, um, well, I mean, it's interesting. Um, I, I think, you know, you could consider in my experiments that, or my studies that um, men and women uh, could categorize the, each other as, um, as out-group members, right? And so you know, one of the questions that is interesting is whether or not highlighting political correctness exacerbates those in-group, out-group distinctions or whether it makes you, um, it gives you a tool for knowing how to navigate that potential boundary. Um, and so I think it would be interesting to look at, and I have it myself, whether or not um, telling people to be PC um, highlights those in-group, out-group distinctions in a negative way or it, or it acknowledges them but gives people uh, a sense for how to behave in that context. Um, my, my guess is that it's more the latter. Mm, interesting. Have you looked at this at all in, in different, um, different contexts? Because as, as we were saying a few moments ago, you undertook the research, say, with, with students uh, on, a, on a university campus. 
but have have you or have others looked at this say in more of a a natural setting if you like and, and consider how that might play out yeah no not that i know of um you know i, I think college students were actually um, a pretty good place to start in terms of political correctness because they hear so much about it on campus um, and so it was pretty easy to cue them to be pc when they kind of hear that term um, but no i think it would be interesting to look at how this might play out in ongoing groups. Um, you know, one of the questions we had was, um, if you followed groups over time, what would the effect of being politically correct be? And it could be that if groups interact long enough, they develop a sense of trust that makes the necessity of being PC kind of go away. Um, so I would love to look at um, groups over time and see if being, if you know, if PC instructions sort of max out their positive effects early on and then the group um, sort of develops ways of of replacing it with something that's less um, divisive. And I guess as well, if we think about that in in terms of you know one of those uh, typical models of of team formation that's talked about the, the the Tuckman model and you know whatever it's worth, but at least in terms of that norming stage of developing those norms within a team within a group of interaction of of rules and of practices, then it might well fit into that uh, and and support further development. Yeah, um, you know, another uh, demographic category I would be interested in, too, is, is looking at age. And, um, you know, we had a very young sample and it could be that, um, you know, younger generations have a different view of political correctness than um, perhaps um, older people. Um, so it would be interesting to look to see if this could be applied across the board or whether this is something that um, is is more current among younger people that um, but you know we're always getting a snapshot of uh, of a word that is evolving in the way people use it um, and the way people react to it, and so I think um, at some point we'll have to go back and, and replicate this. Absolutely, and I guess leaving that that time period uh, would perhaps allow um, things to to develop and and also social uh, norms and and what's socially acceptable to to, to change um, as well. Yeah, so we don't really know how it's evolving. We know that the, the word is still heavily in use. Um, and particularly, you know, these data were collected before uh, Trump was running for office and he used this word a lot. Um, and, it was, um, and so it really, um, it, it's still very much a word that resonates with people um, in different ways. And, um, you know, I think it would be interesting to track the effect of using that word on, on, on group dynamics as, as the years sort of go by. So um, it may be time for a, a replication. <laughs> it sounds good. And, and if you were to, to take that then and, and pull the, the research together, what, what would you say as, as the key, I guess, takeaways for, for leaders and, and also for, for organizations? What are some key things that they might perhaps think of doing when they're leading teams for creativity? Well, I, I think that, um, you know, one of the big takeaways is that is really the the mechanism that we found for why pc works the way it does in diverse groups and it's for uncertainty reduction um, and i think that's really the, the key takeaway if you're trying to manage diverse groups through the process of being creative you really have to acknowledge the fact that there isn't there is uncertainty in the way people um, think they should behave toward each other and people really benefit from having a guide. And the fact that we could take such a divisive word and use it to instruct people, um, I think really is, is telling. And, it, and it, it says one, we're not 
past um, the point where we can um, quit thinking about the challenge of, of gender diversity, um, for one. Um, if, if we were beyond that, we wouldn't have seen any effects of this word. Um, but also, I think um, we need to be careful and attentive to the kinds of norms that form um, in diverse groups and, and, and ensuring that those norms and expectations help people feel as though they can predict how other people are going to behave and that, uh, that they know that they're um, in, a, in a place that's safe enough to, to take a risk. Um, because in the end, that's really what's required for, for being creative. Absolutely. Taking the risk and, and, and uh, risking failure, but, but possibly not in a way which is going to, to cause offense or cause other people to, to clam up and, and not share their ideas. Right. And, you know, I will say, too, I think there's a lesson for researchers um, in this project. And, you know, this paper took nine years to publish um, and it was rejected from at least five journals before it, it made it into um, Administrative Science Quarterly, which is the, the most prestigious journal in my field. Um, and there wasn't a lot of openness to something that was creative <laughs> in, uh, among anonymous reviewers. Um, you know, the reaction was that, oh, this is a word that real people use. It's, it hasn't been defined, you know, where's your, where's your existing measure? And so, um, you know, as I contemplate um, going back and replicating this, I'm sort of reminded of how difficult it was to to make a controversial point um, as a researcher. And that, that's really interesting. Is that because it was, to use uh, your word there, a, a controversial point, that it was perhaps a little bit too far ahead of where the conversation was, or maybe it was challenging people's accepted norms and, and perspectives? Well, I think that part of it, you know, um, reviewers have their own views of the world. Um, you know, and I, I have a paper about religion that um, we probably don't have time to get to, but I encountered that <laughs> in the review process as well. And, you know, people are biased for one. And I think also, you know, academics can be very narrow um, in, in the way they think about research. You know, I think the reviews would be, you know, we just don't understand your independent variable. It's just, it's fuzzy, you know? Um, and so we're, as researchers, attracted to narrowly defined things with existing measures um, and, you know, maybe we're adding a moderator to something we already know. Um, and that passes for a contribution most of the time. Um, but, you know, there should be a venue for more openness. Um, and eventually we found that and we, you know, we um, had very helpful reviewers and a very helpful editor at the journal that uh, this paper ended up at. Um, but it was a long road. And I think that, um, you know, people can give up before. Uh, but I think our group and I had a, you know, my collaborators were also wonderful and haven't mentioned them. Um, Jenny Chapman at Berkeley, Michelle Duguid at Cornell, Jessica Kennedy at Vanderbilt. Um, you know, we support each other across this um, very long journey toward publication. I think um, um, it would have been tempting for some people to give up, but we just weren't, we weren't that kind of group. It sounds like a, a challenge. And you mentioned there as, as well, your, your, your re research into to religion. Is, is that also in terms of religion and creativity? Uh, yeah. So we're looking at the connection um, between um, thinking about God and how that impacts the ability for believers to generate creative ideas. So it wasn't a group's angle. It was more about creative thinking.
another uh, another uh, possibly controversial uh, topic to explore and, and hopefully we can uh, we, we can discuss that uh, in in the future uh, but for now uh, professor jack gonzalo of the university of illinois thank you very much for your time thank you La La Song, Electronic Beat Time, and Dream Sequence by Lorenzo's Music is licensed under an attribution, share, and share alike license.